When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 501, the Levi's episode. We're going to look back at USC's 66-14 to win over the Nevada Wolfpack at the Coliseum on Saturday night. We're going to play the rave line calls for you guys, open up the mailbag, look back with, a, uh, with, with some hindsight from a few days of uh, after the game, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansetter.com. Our phone number is 818-643-7227. Second Whisperer Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Dertel. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, how do you like that? The Levi's episode? Does that work for you? I, I guess it works. You, you you got the reference, right? No. <laughs> Were you like a Wrangler girl growing up? I certainly didn't wear branded jeans, if that's what you're asking. Wow. I I wore whatever, you know, wow. jeans my you mom would find. You were a Lee person. Probably, yeah. Wow. Wow. I wore whatever jeans my mom would pick up from, like, Costco or, I, I don't know, like, you were the you were the Coles. Kirkland signature jean person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was Kirkland signature a lot of things, which is <laughs> unfortunate because you now have a Kirkland signature hat and you're not wearing it today. But and, and I know it's my new yeah. favorite hat. It, it seriously fits nice. Yeah. Another not that we're sponsored by yeah. Kirkland, but you love know, to be though. We 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 wouldn't say no. Uh, <laughs> Rain of Troy dot com. Uh, big shout out to everybody joining us here on Labor Day, uh, spending their final. Uh, holiday hours with us here on Labor Day, a big three-day weekend. Uh, the three-day weekend that usually starts the college football season. 
Uh, for SC, it didn't because SC played in week zero. But hey, the Trojans are already two and zero, one third of the way to bowl eligibility. Look at it! Look at that! Look at that! Uh, so, a big shout out to everyone joining us here on YouTube Live. Uh, we got Ram and Murdy, Cigar, uh, Chalasan, um, Dan, Ernesto is here. Kenny's here. Finding on MC, Darlene is here. Uh, LA Fred, Ernesto, SJ. Uh, Ricky D, a bunch of people in the chat. Um, thank you as always. Be sure to like the stream. It helps grow the show. And if you're not subscribed, uh, we get the little numbers. We get the analytics. Like half of you guys are not subscribed. So uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button. So that way you're aware of every time that we go live, which is every Monday and Wednesday during the college football season uh, with fallout episodes on Mondays, game preview episodes on Wednesdays, and then Saturdays after the game, uh, we are looking at car casts, which are our uh, instant reaction sort of kind of thing, um, which comes up uh, about two hours after every home game and about 15 minutes or so uh, after every road game. Um, and then you can join us uh, over with the Rot Squad. Uh, become a member here on YouTube uh, and get members-only content, including our Thursday night shows, which there will not be one this week, but we will be back next week. Uh, every Thursday night from next week onward uh, is the Renatroy After Dark show, which so have been a blast. You get all of our bonus content for $4.99 a month, uh, and you get to join our Discord, uh, chat with all the other Rotbot and Rot Squad members, and uh, it's, a, it's a good time. $4.99 a month, you can join us here on YouTube um yeah it's it's all it's all fun stuff so uh go do your stuff people help support the show yes cosign cool <laughs> that broadcast <laughs> school's really paid I, off i mean I'm, I'm i'm just saying yeah we know the deal Hit, smash that like button yeah you gotta go what's up guys what's welcome up, guys? to youtube yeah uh, and of course, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings, where if you're a new user, you can you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly by following just three steps: create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you can still receive 150 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Rain of Troy when you sign up. And the best part is using that code Rain of Troy not only gets you the bonus, but it helps support us, helps support the show. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, uh, use our code Reign of Troy to maximize your bets. Uh, this offer is available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Uh, yeah, big shout out to DraftKings for uh, sponsoring us as they have been for the last few months. Um, yeah, it's been a big supporter of the show. Uh, and welcome to Dante Ferrari, by the way, joining the Rot Supporters Club. Welcome, yeah. welcome aboard. Yeah, love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alicia, we got a bunch of news to get to, but before we do, we got to listen to the rave line because the rave line was back. USC wins 66 to 14, uh, over Nevada on Saturday. Uh, a big win for the Trojans. They sort of match what they did against Rice last year. Uh, a 66-17 win over Rice. This was 66-14. to Kind of bested it a little bit. Um, let's get to the rave line calls and what you guys had to say by calling into the rant line. 
Michael, Alicia, this is Tony from Denora, PA. Hey, Raina Troy, this is L.A. Fred calling. Raina Troy Radio, what's up? This is Dave from Orange County. Hey, guys, this is Michael on the 563. I actually have nothing to complain about. This is definitely a rave line call. Nothing really to rant about. I mean, because it's 66 to whatever the hell. Can we first all appreciate and give thanks as to how lucky we are to be able to watch Caleb Williams? He's played in 16 total games for us. And in eight of those, he has four or more touchdown passes. Now ties Matt Barkley at the top of the UFC all-time leaderboard in that category. And to put it in perspective, he played 31 fewer games than Barkley did in his career. The offense played, did what it was supposed to do today. The defense stepped up and played pretty well. Lots of three and outs, lots of, uh, you know, pressure on quarterback. The defense line was totally dominant. A couple busted plays that resulted in, in points for Nevada, but we had no business. We did what we were supposed to do. But what we're supposed to do and what we do are not always the same. So it's so freaking great. It's just a great bounce back from D. Let's build on that for the next game. They clearly made adjustments from game one to game two, which is ultimately all we really want. Good to have something to be complimentary about and not have to go ranting about stuff. It's clear for everyone to see that this team has better players on it there are better athletes across the field, and I think the ceiling is much higher this year. But equally important, I think the floor is also higher. Now, I'll be the first to admit I am not a defensive coordinator, but I have watched a lot of football, and I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I got that going for me. All the robots out there, hope you all had a good good time today, and we get to see plenty more. Talk to you guys next week. Let's all have a good week. And fight on, everybody. Okay, that's it. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on. Fight out. Bye. There you go. There's the rave line. Uh, the phone number is always 818-643-7227. Uh, you can give us your calls during, before, after, whatever, the game. Uh, you can rant and rave and do all those things. Alicia, a lot less, fewer calls, I guess you could say, after a win. People are... You know, celebrating a win in different ways, but still plenty of calls from uh, from from the old robots. Some good calls, yeah, great great ones. I thought there were some great observations in there, some good one liners in there, and yeah, I think I think the robots get, I think they get what happened in in that game and and what it means for uh for the future of this team and feeling a little bit better, a little bit more confident. We'll, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what comes uh, next week against Stanford. Hopefully it stays a rave line. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, USC and Stanford lock and horn seven thirty uh, later this weekend, uh, on, on Saturday, but at least we got a bunch of news to get to. Let's get to the news before we start talking more about USC and Nevada. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, Alicia, we got to start with the news about uh, Relique Brown. Uh, he did not play on Saturday against Nevada. Uh, and the news, according to Luca Evans of the OC Register, uh, is that USC's Relique Brown is currently planning to redshirt his sophomore season. His father, Roscoe, told the SoCal News Group could change, but Brown's been limited by a lingering hamstring tweak this fall, his father said. Yeah, um, it uh, it feels increasingly like this is Gary Bryant Jr. all over again in the in the sense of take your red shirt so that you can get through the rest of the season and then have a, a an opportunity to transfer uh, at, at after it's all done. Um, that might not be the case. Things can change. I mean, Gary Bryant Jr. I think it might not be the case, but this just looks too much it just like looks that like, situation. It looks right? a lot. Yes, it looks a lot like that. Um, I am open to the concept of a hamstring injury being a, a limiting factor for him. Mm-hmm. Um, hamstring injuries are notoriously difficult injuries to, to deal with in terms of the way that they they just are, are nagging and, and can have lingering effects. Uh, so maybe that is... Uh, I... I don't know it, it, that that's that's sort of an element to this that sure that sort of goes goes along um but we've we've talked about this before I just I can't muster that much I can't muster that much about it uh, I think Relique is a is a talent who wherever he is playing football will will be a weapon mm-hmm. um at USC he's not a weapon that is a make or break piece for this offense so. by, by no means of his own. Yeah. Um, he SC has a million different, like the arsenal is so huge, right? Like yeah. SC has a million different ways to gain a yard. That yeah. is the best problem in the world to have um, from the SC perspective. We talked about in the car cast, you got guys like, like Kyle Ford who, who left uh, last year and, CJ Williams left and Gary Bryant Jr. left and but it's interesting you bring up those names because if you want to find an area of this as far as him leaving USC I I can't muster a lot there is some anxiety I think about you know CJ Williams is at Notre Dame um Gary Bryant Jr. is at Oregon Kyle Ford is at UCLA these are teams that USC plays that USC uh will have to face and that these transfers could come back and, and bite USC uh, in the butt. She did one was at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'm yeah. sorry. Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin's a, you said a, a big, double check. I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm minute. sorry. I'm there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I was a, a big 10 program uh, that oh, USC yeah. will N- be facing. Notre Dame famously, famously a big 10, a big 10 program. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, th- I think that's probably the, the anxiety if there's any, mm-hmm. even then, you can't force him to stay at USC and at a certain point it's out of your control. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the beat goes on. Um, obviously Relique Brown is a player that you absolutely want on your team. Uh, anyone in the country would want him on the team. Uh, and you want a healthy Relique Brown too. So, 
Uh, if this truly is just the injury, then you want him to get healthy and be able to compete as, as soon as he's fresh and able to do so. Uh, if there's the other element of the transfer stuff, then there is. Yeah. Um, SC is, is in a position to have depth there, uh, which helps. Um, but yeah, that's ultimately this is a good problem to have of all the problems that you're going to have in the world uh, for SC. This is fortunately one that doesn't overly hurt, but it has nothing to do with the league round himself. That's yeah. just, that's just because just of everything else. So uh, yeah, obviously you wish him the best with his recovery of the hamstring and, and everything else going forward. Um, let's go to the other news that came out, um, which is that USC will not have direct representation in the college football playoff committee. Uh, because according to a tweet from Brett McMurphy, USC AD Mark Harlan is replacing USC AD and former Washington AD Jen Cohen on the college football playoff selection committee. You, you got you to thought about this because I think there's you, you could read this as like, you know, semi-damaging to SC's chances of everything, but like, I, I don't know. I think it's in the, all the Pac-12 schools' best interest for the Pac-12 to be represented. So I, I don't know that this is a overly a big negative shrug. It, sh- it shouldn't be. Uh, I, I think her stepping down in order to focus on her duties as the USC athletic director makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of work yeah. to do. They need to rebuild a department that has gone through turnover mm-hmm. and controversy and all this kind of stuff. They are a department that's working on a massive realignment uh, workload in terms of getting ready to go to the Big Ten, to have travel, to have logistics, to have all of this kind of stuff set up, not just for football, not just for basketball, but for all of the sports. There is a mm-hmm. ton of work that Jen Cohen has to do, and I under and I totally get her not not wasting her not not that it would be a waste of time, but. Like the the people on the playoff selection committee, that's a that is a an additional thing on your plate that makes more sense for someone like Mark Harlan, uh, Mark Harlan, who is established, who has a head, who has head coaches, who has mm-hmm. everything in order that he can afford to to go ahead and 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 take on that role. Um, even with Utah moving to, to the Big Twelve, it's not as big of a logistical nightmare is the move to the big 10 mm-hmm. uh, and and he's not in his first months on the job so uh, it just makes a lot of sense and in the end the committee is not supposed to be influenced by the biases of don't you have the, to recuse members. yourself uh, that's what i was going to say jen cohen was not going to be involved in conversations about usc she might have had to recuse herself for the washington conversations too yeah so it doesn't I don't think it really makes a difference. In the end, in the end, I think it's very clear to me that USC and their involvement in the college football playoff will be fairly black and white. I, I, I don't think there's going to be very many scenarios on the table where USC is in the conversation, but in such a gray area that the, that the makeup of the playoff committee will be impactful um I, I think that that gray area it it might help to not have your athletic director be having to recuse themselves in the end yeah i i get what you're saying 
but I think that there is the most likely scenario is that there there isn't a black and white maybe not the most likely scenario but like there absolutely is a world in which SC is the third fourth fifth sixth best team uh potentially um you know there because we've seen that before where SC what, is like what i'm saying more is if USC is a one loss Pac-12 champion then I don't think it will come down to the makeup of the college football playoff committee, selection committee. I, I don't think it would come down to exactly the makeup of the committee, no. If USC you, is a two-loss Pac-12 champion, then USC will only have itself to blame for not getting into the, no, that, into the that's, playoff, that's not fair. the makeup of the right. selection committee. Yeah. I'm just saying that there could be a world in which SC needs to get a decision made on somebody else. Does that yeah. matter if that person in the room is Mark Harlan versus Jen Cohen. I don't really think it does, no. especially when you have to recuse yourself there. Yeah. Also, I really don't think there's the, that much of a bias influence. No. Um, maybe I'm naive, um, but I don't think there's that much of a pro boost that you're going to get by having, uh, you know, your AD around, even if you have to recuse yourself and all that stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, shrug. Uh, I thought the the point that you made at the beginning that she needs to focus on SC right now. I think that needs to be the top priority, especially when you come in to a situation where there's been talk of, you know, um, administrative dysfunction. Right? Like, mm -hmm. I then you need to go fix those things. That's that needs to be the the top priority, rather than taking a flight to uh, DFW twice a week. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, let's get into talking about the game. USC and Nevada, the Trojans get a big win. 66 to 14, USC matches their output 94 years ago when they also beat Nevada most recently at the Coliseum. 66 to nothing was that game in 1929. 66-14 was the output in this one. Uh, the Trojans obviously... This is a game in which they thoroughly dominated. We talked about it in the car cast. 668 total yards, um, 27 first downs. Literally half of USC's plays in this game, 27 of 54 total plays, went for first downs. The Trojans averaged 12.4 yards per play. If you do that against anybody, you should win the game pretty handily, and they definitely did that on Saturday against Nevada. Uh, at least it's been a couple days looking back at it. Any, any new thoughts, any, any new ideas here? Uh, it was a good performance. I think it was a good performance on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Um, on all three sides of the ball and on special teams as well. I thought it was a, a good performance. Um, I think when I was doing my rewatch, there were a couple bigger things that stood out. Uh, number one, Kudos are in order for a few players. Uh, we already gave Marshawn Lloyd a lot of kudos, but he deserves more because the kid is just out there embodying everything that I, and I realized this while I was rewatching it. He embodies everything that made me fall in love with Travis Dye as a football player immediately. Mm -hmm. Marshawn Lloyd embodies all of that. Yeah. As a as a as a a rusher with the with the ball in his hands, he is out there fighting for literally every inch. He has great vision. He's got great speed. 
Uh, somebody who is that powerful and difficult to take down when they have the speed also to get to the outside, like he did on his uh, on his touchdown run, absolutely outstanding. Um, and then there's the block. There, there's the effort plays. There's the blocking. Uh, Keely, your put up on Twitter the clip of the Taj Washington touchdown that happened over the middle of the field, and it is insane how Taj Washington catches that ball in the middle of the field, just about 10 yards ahead of where Marshawn Lloyd is. And like I wrote in my notes that Lloyd shoots like a bullet out of a gun to get down the field in time to make the block that springs Taj Washington for that, for that touchdown. If you, if you, when you stop the play at the moment that Washington gets the ball, there's no, he should not score a touchdown on that play but the max, max effort that Lloyd gives in order to get down the field to lay that block cannot be overstated. But I also wanted to give some kudos for other players on that play, which sort of exemplify what you see from USC's offense more often than not, and that you see throughout the game too. Everybody is a willing blocker. Like to me, that touchdown was the epitome of a team of a team touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, they send a blitz and, and Caleb recognizes it handles it, gets the ball out to, to Taj Washington. Taj Washington is available, as he always seems to be. Marshawn Lloyd has the wherewithal and the effort level and the just the, the sheer want to go down there and, and lay that block. At the same time, Dorian Singer has his man held up the entire way. He, he is blocking off the man that he's responsible for the entire way because if he loses his block... Taj Washington is getting stopped on that play as well. So big ups to Dorian Singer as well. And then also, if you watch that play over in the sort of right top right hand corner, you see Mario Williams, who is mm-hmm. probably 15 to 20 yards out of the play and could just let up and not and not do it. He he maintains his block of his rece- uh, of his DB until the whistle. He plays through the whistle nowhere near the play. It, it was not necessary necessarily for him to hold that in order for the play to be successful, but he did it because that is the standard that USC has set on offense and everybody buys into it. The, every single player on this offense seems to buy into that mentality. And that is why this offense is, is great because it starts at the top with Caleb, but it trickles down to every single person is just out there doing their job. And it's just mm-hmm. lovely to see that from an offense. I, 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 feel like we have been commending USC wide receivers for their willingness to block for, for years now. I don't think that's necessarily... Since Darius Rogers. It's not been a problem Juju for USC. Juju was great at it, too. Yeah. But it's nice to see that continue, that level of, of effort to continue. Yeah, 100%. I think you go back and watch that play, and it looks like it was drawn up that way. Um, I don't know that it was. I, I think that... If it was, maybe, Lincoln Riley's maybe playing it is, 40 but chess. like I didn't necessarily think that it was because you know you, uh, Mario Williams is still uh, presumably a, a, a target in which Caleb Williams can throw the ball to there. So, but the way that it's drawn up is absolutely like um, as if the the whole plan was for for Taj to come across on the post and have those blockers out in front and just completely pave the way for him and. It looked beautiful, and that's what you want. You want your guys to continue to play um, until the whistle. And one of the things where I think that we're going to see 
Uh, we're going to see get better is the wide receivers as the play goes on when it comes to building a rapport with Caleb Williams on the scramble drills. Mm-hmm. I thought SC was really good at that last year. Um, there was the touchdown pass to Brendan Rice where he scrambles and scrambles and scrambles and scrambles and then throws and throws the touchdown pass on on Saturday. I think SC that's one of the areas where SC can still get better at because there were moments in this game where Caleb Williams sort of scrambles and then either forces a pass downfield and takes a shot or has to throw it away or or whatnot. And I think that last year Jordan Addison was very good at finding a way to get open and Mario Williams was very good at finding a way to get open. You that comes from the chemistry that you have with playing with your guys. Mm-hmm. Uh you're gonna see more of that as it goes on. But the harder thing to me is getting the buy-in on the blocking downfield. Uh, especially in a play in which you are not close to the ball carrier, to yeah. whoever that is. Uh, if it's Taj Washington on the other side of the field, um, the wherewithal to continue your blocks because that might affect the play uh, is is a big deal and absolutely can lead to a touchdown. I said day with Taj Washington there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you look back at the, the offensive performance and – there's little nitpicks that I think that you can you can say that SC needs to improve on. But that's what the season's for. That's what the season progression is for with chemistry. Everything else, solid. I, I yeah. the I think the offensive line. You can say the offensive line could could still take a step to get better to have more protection. And, I think it was a- keep Caleb in 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 the pocket more, but also. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the world at the college football level in being outside of the pocket. So. Yeah, I, I think it was a, a little bit of a rough day for Justin Dietrich. Um, sure. He had a couple penalties. There was um, a, a play where he sort of was a little bit of a revolving door that resulted in a in, in an issue. So uh, I think he, mm-hmm. he will have better days than he had against Nevada. I'd rather him have the penalties and all that kind of stuff against Nevada because then it's a reminder you need to clean that all up. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think any any criticism you have of the of the offense in this game is very nitpicky, and I think there is a lot of of, of praise to go around. Um, it 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 said again. We're just going to have to sort of keep saying it, but it's wild that Dorian Singer's one handed catch on that broken play mm-hmm. is not something we need to spend time on. Um, Mario Williams, I thought, was all over the field. And he had, I was confused because I kept noting, like, Mario Williams is popping up. Mario Williams is popping up. And I was like, how did, what, why, why is his stat line look what it is? Mario Williams had two ca- catches with nice gains pulled back because of penalties. Yeah. Uh, so he, he also had one that was nearly a big gainer downfield. Yeah. You know? So I think, again, Mario Williams is, is on, is, is, <laughs> approaching like Taj Washington levels of underrated at this point. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's, just it's easy exciting. to forget dudes. There, yes. There's, there's so many weapons that you're sitting there. And you're like, yeah, I forgot that this guy was, was on the team. Right. And yes. n- not literally, but it's easy to sort of lull yourself into, um, you know, having that mindset of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, Brendan Rice is there, right? But there, that's Brendan the, Rice. That's the impossible task of an opposing defensive coordinator, too, because mm-hmm. uh, one thing I noted in in my notes was like, for instance, Marshawn Lloyd. I did not realize when he committed to come transfer to USC that he was such a dangerous receiving threat, and 
on that play where Caleb hits him over the middle, which was even better on review, um, that 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 is the 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 too small blanket idea that we've talked about in the past, where if mm-hmm. it, when you're defending. Um, you basically have a, a too small blanket. And you need to decide: are you going to cover your head or are you going to cover your feet? You're going to have to leave something exposed. Right. I, the the blanket the, the the this is a normal size like twin size blanket that defensive coordinators are going to have to try and cover up a a a giant because like arms and legs and everything is going to be sticking out when you consider all of the weapons that USC has. It, it's it's really not fair. Yeah, a hundred percent. To go back to little nitpicks, if we, we want to get really nitpicky, really, really, really nitpicky, um, I think the only two things that I could nitpick about this game on offense for SC, the snaps, the snaps have been an issue. Um, you know, you mentioned it that Didich had a little bit of a rough game. It, well, that's where the the fumble, the yeah, turnover the, the, comes from. the the one turnover. Um, but we've sort of seen it two games in a row now that um, they've got to get that sort of uh, shored up for sure. Um, but the other thing, the only drive in the first half in which SC does not score is a... So as the first six plays, SC gains first downs on the very first six plays. Uh, they The second drive of the game, they get into Nevada territory uh, and then the drive stalls. First down is a deep shot. Doesn't hit. Just, a, just down, flat out misses Brendan Rice, who is available for that pass. Second down is another deep shot down down the field on the left side. Um, which I thought was forced. I thought it was forced too, um, which creates a third and long, which ends up having the sack on it. Um, which but, was a coverage sack that Caleb should just dump it off to Marshawn Lloyd. Right. And like I, like I put on Twitter at the time, like I think you can be critical of the second down throw. And say that, you know, don't take that throw from, from, uh, Caleb shouldn't be looking at that throw because you don't need to go deep on second and 10. You need any sort of yardage to have a third manageable at the same time. And this is why it's too nitpicky to actually nitpick it at the same time. SC was getting so much separation with the receivers. You saw it later on in the deep shot to, to Tosh Washington, which was looked like it was almost the same play why wouldn't you take that shot? Like SC was just completely getting, you know, such separation and manhandling uh, Nevada secondary. There's, we all would have taken that shot if we were playing Madden. You know what I mean? Um, and yes, the, the, the third and long situation that leads to the sack, it's not going to cost them against Nevada and maybe it would against Utah. Uh, but when you have the ability to trust your playmakers, I, I see why you do it. Absolutely. Especially in SC in a game that SC scores, uh, what, what was it, 59 offensive points? Yeah. We're, we're not going to nitpick that too much. Yeah. Uh, defensively, SC, of course, uh, holds Nevada to 14 points. We talked about it before. Oh, I have one more real quick On offensive the nitpick. Yeah, go for it. I worry it's a little bit of a trend that USC does not close halves well on offense. Um, it happened again this week that you have the fumble uh, right before the half. And there's also just a drive that I think um, goes wrong right before the half. Uh, so just a little something to want to finish the half strong. That's all I would say. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to Nick in the chat for calling the, the, the USC special. USC special. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you've been a listener back way back in like 2015, 
we coined 2014-15, we coined the USC special, which is pretty much the deep shot on second down. Mm-hmm. Not, not exactly the deep shot on second down, but like the idea of there's a deep shot on first or second down, and maybe there's a run stuff involved. Yeah. Um, usually a run stuff on first down and a deep shot on second down and then creates the third third and long. Mm-hmm. Um, that Yes, that was the, the, the drive, the second drive for SC was a USC special. But there was one of those. Yeah. Which the, there wasn't <laughs> 13 of them in the same game. Yeah, that's a, that's an aberration, a not a special at, at a certain point. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it truly is special at this at this point, uh, right? Uh, yeah, in that in that sense, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, but but uh, so the 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 last ha- the last drive before the half is the bad snap fumble, mm-hmm. and then the drive before that they tried the weird double pass thing with Mario Williams, and I think that sets up a little a little bit of I a mini know. USC special variety where they just tried to do a trick play on first down and I don't then even end know up, how that play was supposed to it develop. It didn't look like it made it didn't I don't know what the point of that was. To the point that I almost don't know that it was a double pass. It, it was lo- definitely a double pass. It <laughs> looks like a double like the way he drops back looks everything says double pass. If it wasn't but yet you look at everything else and I'm like, I don't know where was like, he supposed was to the, look. Yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't like a dude streaking down deep like it like yeah. none of it none of the other stuff made sense. Yeah, yeah. I wh- whatever it was, it was it was too cute, and uh, that was sort of uh, that's something to maybe keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. We've talked in the past about USC needs to win the middle eight, and that yeah. it, that was you know something that didn't quite go off. Yeah, uh, you you can afford not to win the middle eight when you score forty no, fifty nine offensive points. Yeah, uh, but again, when you play the you still want to win the middle teams, eight, you you want to. Yeah. Make sure that you're winning the middle eight. Uh, let's talk about the defense. Uh, those 14 points, again, we talked about in the car cast. Half of Nevada's yards came on three plays. Um, so the good side there, so the consistency that we talked about, SC really shut down the run. Sean Dollars did nothing. Uh, Ashton Hayes did nothing in the Nevada run game. Um, there were a bunch of receiving yards in the fourth quarter, literally garbage time. A.J. Bianco, the backup quarterback, came in to throw 129 yards. But you know, Alicia, in, in the rewatch, what was uh, what was your takeaway on on defense? My takeaway on defense, and you all should understand that I am saying this from a place of recognizing that this was against Nevada. My takeaway on defense is, I suspect that Alex Grinch would tell you that this is his ideal defensive game. Um. This game was very much what we have talked about in the past, philosophically, I mean, not, not necessarily in terms of execution or anything like that. But in the, in the past, we've talked about how the sort of the Big 12 mentality of everybody's going to put up points. So our goal is to maybe risk giving up the big play because we're going to cause so much havoc that mm-hmm. we're going to push you into mistakes and we're going to take advantage. We're just going to outscore you. Now, obviously it's Nevada and it's not a shootout and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the philosophy that Alex Grinch holds really reveals itself on a, on a second watch of this game for the defense, because the third down stops that USC was getting like to me, that's exactly the, the, the exotic coverages and exotic blitzes and the, the whole thing, all the stuff we were complaining about last week like it goes right in this game and it's almost like a results justify the means situation. Right. 
where I mentioned that in the car cast. Yeah. On like I have a bunch of third downs in my rewatch notes highlighted about how like the pockets just absolutely overrun. Mm -hmm. Um, So the, on the, on the second drive on the second Nevada drive uh, after they've scored the touchdown because Damani can't make the play one-on-one the, the third down, they get into a third down. The pocket is overrun by a four man rush. He sends Curtis Tackett, attack at Curtis on a delayed blitz and Curtis then, Tackett does sound like a I know because yeah. I have Curtis written down <laughs> and because uh, I alternate whether or not I put a first or a last name in these notes it's, it's sort of weird um, and then and then Jamil Muhammad ends up running down the quarterback and getting the stop uh, the next drive they get into another third down play and again the pocket collapses completely but on this one Brendan Lewis is able to get all actually very admirably get off a throw to a, a an open receiver who Zion Branch is a bit lucky that that that, that pass didn't ultimately get caught um, because it was sort of a vulnerable thing. But in the end, what, what happened there is that Bear Alexander and the defensive line just absolutely just collapse the pocket and get to the quarterback and sort of this is the this is the idea of the the aggressiveness paying off that you're you're so aggressive and everybody gets there to the point where the quarterback just like can see where he wants to throw the ball, but he can't execute it because Bear Alexander is literally throwing an offensive lineman in, in, into his face, right? Later on, there's there's some third downs where, again, it's just they're letting the four-man rush go. They're sending a, de- a linebacker on a delayed blitz. They're, those blitzes are getting home this time, um, maybe in part because I think that the USC's uh, edge defenders were... To me, it looked like they were slightly more disciplined in terms of not like when the yeah. pocket was collapsing, it was collapsing in in sort of an orderly fashion so that it was opening up gaps for the blitzing linebacker to get through where I think last week what you had was that the pocket was collapsing so much that it was sort of like going like like a pancake and then creating a running lane for the quarterback to get out of. And in this case, it was more like an implosion where it like like that mm-hmm. Um so like that was all going well, and I yeah. think that you get a lot of stops going doing that. You get a, you are able to generate a lot of third down stops. The problem is, is that it's Nevada. Will your defensive line be able to do this against Oregon or Washington or Utah or Notre Dame? That's a right. that's a big question. But like philosophically, you can see what the idea is and when it yeah. works it works very well it's just yeah I, it's just nevada right because against nevada you're going to you're going to have all those man beaters go in your favor uh single play beaters that your your physical beats I mean, there, I mean that you that you're getting to to go in your favor and if you win your physical matchups your your one on ones every single player you're going to get in the backfield. You're going to cause havoc. You're going to force mistakes. And Nick in the chat says, I think part of Grinch's philosophy is to stop the offense fast or let them score fast. Either way, the USC offense needs the ball back ASAP. I agree with this with the exception of one point here. I don't think it's stop the offense fast or let them score. I don't think it's 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 that... Um, overt i think it's it's strictly be so aggressive that you hope to force them into mistakes more often than not yeah and if you let up the score 
if you do allow a score, it's not the end of the world because you have that offense. But I don't think that it's as simply as let them let them score fast or do a three and out fast. Like I, I don't think it's that cut and dry. But we're saying the same thing, right? Like yeah. we're we're speaking the the same language here, um, and that's that's really what it looks like. And I think that when you have when you play against a quarterback like Brendan Lewis, who I do not think is good. I think Brendan Lewis is not a good quarterback. Well, okay. I think he made a lot of mistakes in this game where he kind of fell into the trap where uh, he gets under pressure and he backs up or he gets under pressure and he runs into more pressure or he gets under pressure and he does the things where he allows the defense to really take advantage of him. And against Nevada, that makes the SC defense look completely great with all the with all the aggressiveness i worry that those mistakes those mistakes that brendan lewis were creating what was creating is not going to happen when it comes down to michael Penix in the backfield uh and bo nicks in the backfield because those guys have had so much experience it'll be interesting what happens when it's shooter sanders mm-hmm. uh he doesn't have much experience playing against uh fbs level defenses yeah. Um he's certainly talented w- with his with his arm and his legs and he could, you know, be a danger that way, but he doesn't necessarily have the experience, so we still have to see more of that, but it it comes down to how much composure the opposing quarterback is able to hold. Yes. And how quickly the opposing offensive coordinator recognizes the gaps in the in in, right. in sort of the aggressiveness because it, uh, it took Nevada like four or five drives for them to realize that they could try that misdirection. misdirection. Yeah, that yeah. misdirection was going to be the way to 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 get some mm-hmm. something going. Um, and there will be a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that USC faces who don't need an invite to use misdirection. So yeah. like that is going to be something that USC needs to to be conscious of. Um, but sort of what we what we saw against Nevada was, like I said, like I think that this would be this would be the blueprint for USC every week if Alex Grinch had his way. Right. The the problem is is it it puts so much, um, it, it puts so much emphasis on depending on the opposing quarterback making the mistakes. And the interesting thing is, like ten years ago, I would have told you that's absolutely the way you do it. Ten years ago, I would have said the vast majority of quarterbacks that USC was going to face uh, in, in on a on a regular schedule would crumble under the pressure of a of a of a defense that is aggressive like this. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably would have been mostly correct. The problem is that this year, number one, quarterback play, quarterback development for college has accelerated to an incredible degree to the point where the worst quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are dudes who have been training with quarterback coaches since they were ch- since they were children right. and sort of know know all the tricks of the mm-hmm. trade and all of that kind which, of stuff. Which uh, this is a side tangent I really don't want don't have time to go on but like isn't it amazing that every quarterback in America at the college level has been trained since they were an eight-year-old to be a, a quarterback. Yeah. And yet, in the world, at the highest level, in the in the NFL, there is, like, truly three or four truly elite quarterbacks and maybe, like, eight good ones. 
and uh, like the drop off after yeah. that is massive. But that's because the they are playing NFL defenses have so much athleticism that they it's very difficult to beat those even right. even the worst NFL but, defense has incredible athleticism on it that USC could only dream of. You'd think there'd be like a, an an abundance of all these quarterbacks, and there still isn't. That's yeah. the, that, that's wild of to the me. truly truly elite, but at the college level. Right. Um, when the it, college level, there's plenty of capable ones because the the offensive schemes are putting so many quarterbacks in position to succeed. Yes. And to take advantage of of defenses. And and that's the the issue I see with a defensive philosophy in 2023 when on your schedule, Shadur Sanders might be the fifth best quarterback you're going to face this year, and that's right. with. All due respect to Shador Sanders, who was absolutely outstanding against TCU. Yeah. And I was watching that performance going like, I okay, TCU's defense isn't good, but like it's not like USC's defense is, is that good either. Right. So Shador Sanders could absolutely do the same thing to USC's defense. Mm-hmm. And Shador Sanders isn't even a top five quarterback in the Pac-12. Well, at this th- stage. Th- this is the, the crazy part is you look at you look at SC's schedule. This is going to be the biggest gauntlet of quarterback play ever. Like, SC will have never played a run of good quarterbacks like they will this year. It's, it's, you you, you have to take advantage of these next two weeks. These next two weeks against, uh, Ashton Daniels from Stanford. from, From Stanford, yes who is, you know, probably the worst quarterback in the conference just because he's, he's so green. Um, and then what Rashada at ASU is so mm-hmm. green also. Yeah. Like you have to take advantage of those two because after that, geez, buckle up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm curious to see if they can, I think this was a very good performance to build off of. Um, before we move on, I, I want to give a, a shout out to, to players like Shane Lee and Rajon Davis, who I think really, really stepped up. Um, I, I think that the defensive front really looked outstanding and, and in an ideal world, they're able to do this similar things to a Pac-12 level offensive line. Um, so that'll be f- sort of interesting to, to find out. I thought uh, outside of Damani Jackson and that the, the, the one-on-one he gave up, um, more often than not, USC's corners or at least the, the ones who were, we expect to be heavily involved in the defense – did well to break up passes when when they were put in in one-on-one situations Sierra Wright had a few breakups um Kalen Bullock was playing center field for a little a little while so there's a lot that on individual levels I think there's a lot to work with on this defense it's very clear there's a lot more to work with on this defense than there was last year um I just continue to worry that the aggression um mm-hmm. because even in this game for instance USC's front four was having their way with the Nevada offensive line and still Grinch very rarely let the front four just cook on their own. He was sending blitzes more often than not. So, you know, it's a, I think there's still balance to be found, but Grinch is going to do his thing. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Let's go to the, the poll that we put in the chat here on YouTube. Um, we said, how satisfied were you with USC's blowout of Nevada? Fifty percent of the robots have put very satisfied. Forty-one percent say satisfied. 
Uh, and 9% said that they order milk with dinner. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, let's get to the over under, shall we? We got to we, we have a very fun game of over under uh, that we have to uh, that we have to get to here. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. Last week, um, both of us were three and three going into the week. Uh, let's get to your first over under for the uh, Nevada game. You said over under one and a half third and long conversions for the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, San Jose State was three of six on third and longs, uh, meaning nine plus yards according to stat broadcast. Alicia, I took the under, you took the over because of that, which is the answer. It was under. Nevada was 0 of 2 on third and longs on, on Saturday. Look at the progress. Yeah, and, th- and those were sort of what I was talking about, where on third and long... USC pinned their ears back and went after uh, the the quarterback, and the quarterback wasn't able to make plays the way that I think Chevin Cordero was able to make plays in Week Zero. Yeah, I, I thought they they got to Brendan Lewis and made him make mistakes on third downs. On top of that, they also seemingly had fewer running lanes, which I mm-hmm. think is important too. Yeah, it wasn't well, like, just the the physical more, wins that they were getting. They were more. It it was it was the physical wins, but it, like not just. But it was, that. it was noticeable how much more disciplined the, the players yes. on the edge were. Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, my first over-under was over-under 180 and a half. Uh, Zachariah Branch, all-purpose yards. I was optimistic with this line. You were not. You said under on 180 and a half uh, all-purpose yards, and it was under. He had 63. Yeah, he twenty two of that came on the first drive with a um, with a touchdown pass. And he almost broke one or two of those returns, so he almost got was close, close there. Um, but it was sort of what I what I expected in that after he was the featured receiver uh, at times in week zero, we saw USC put more of an emphasis on getting the ball in Mario Williams's hands, on getting the ball to um, to you know Taj Washington and. Dorian mm-hmm. Singer and all of the other guys. There's just too many guys who need right. to eat. You can't expect any one receiver to have back-to-back big games the way that uh, Branch had in Week Zero. Yeah, hundred percent. He 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 wasn't the the big focus on offense like he seemed to be in Week Zero. Uh, we'll see what that uh, has in store for Week Two, Game Three against Stanford on Saturday. Uh, let's get to your next one. Uh, you set the line at over under nine and a half USC pass catchers. The Trojans had 12 against San Jose State in week one. Last year, SC had 11 against Rice, but then followed it up with only eight against Stanford. So you put the line at nine and a half. Uh, I was very bullish on this. I took a big over. I was super confident. And Alicia, it was. It was over. It's 14. SC had 14 different pass catchers. And without, we're going to play a quick game without looking. How many of those 14 can you name uh, oh. in about, in about uh, well, like 30 seconds here? Okay. Go for it. Mario Williams, Zach Branch, Taj Washington, Brendan Rice, um, Dorian Singer, Deuce Robinson, Marshawn Lloyd, mm-hmm. Kyron Hudson, yeah. uh, Makai Lemon, Nine. Uh, Blake McCree, 
Ten. So I need four more. You need um, four more. Uh, Fifteen seconds. Uh, Austin Jones. No, uh, incorrect. Darwin Barlow. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Barlow, yes. Barlow, yes. That's eleven. Qu- Three Quint- more. Quentin Joiner. Yes. Um, two more. So I need two more. Two, two more. more. Two seconds. Uh, but hey. uh, you are missing. Uh, let's see who's on this list. Oh, Michael Jackson Jacoby the third, Lane and Mike Jaco- Michael Jackson and III. Jacoby Lane. Yeah. yeah. I should have gotten Michael Jackson the third. Pretty solid. I, I really pr- should have because I, I I started by naming touchdowns in my head. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah. That's my bad. The, I think the Michael Jackson the third touchdown pass is one of the more forgettable ones, but shouldn't be because I thought the play was executed so perfectly. They, you know what it was? They executed the play too perfectly that it was forgettable. Like, <laughs> like too perfectly that it wasn't like it wasn't like there yeah. wasn't the crazy block on it. There it was, wasn't the the crazy scramble. Like it was just too perfectly executed that like they made it look routine. It was how the play was designed to yeah. do. It was a RPO. It was, a, it was an RP, over the RPO. It, it the the linebacker bit on the RPO that opened up the space in the middle for an easy touchdown to Michael Jackson third. Um, yeah. What can you do? What can you do? All right. Uh, my next over under uh, was JJ three. I said over under three and a half. John Jackson the third catches. Put that line high. You thought I was crazy because he only had five career catches at SC for a total of 42 yards. I said, but couldn't you see a world in which he had a great drive in the in the, in the second half, the fourth quarter, in garbage time or something? And you're like, eh, eh. You weren't confident. You took the under. It's locked me into the over. At least he had a drive. He had a drive in that fourth <laughs> quarter. And, and what he was had the three catches for 52 yards. Mm-hmm. All on that one drive. Yep. It was a little, a little, a little close there, but ultimately, like I, like I said, Nevada doesn't have a lot of high volume receiving. Yeah. But by the way, we we, we talked about the, the playmaker to to look out for uh, was was Delvon Campbell. Mm-hmm. One catch for two yards. Well, one I mean, catch for two yards. He also had his helmet launched off of his yeah. head. Well, yeah. So. Jamal Bell, eight catches, 121 yards. Um, but yeah, Delvon Campbell, uh, not not not, not a big factor in this game. Yeah, for Nevada. Uh, let's go to the next one. It was uh, over under. You said one and a half Relique Brown touches. This, of course, was a big one in the over under game this week. I was confident. I was confident, and I took the over. You locked into the to the under. But everybody, inserts Oprah right here. We're all winners. <laughs> we are all winners because we're taking it off the board. It is a win for everybody. We're paying out the over and the under uh, <laughs> for, for a couple of reasons. We were not going to. Um, you know, I saw that there were, there were we got tweets about it and comments. Um, as soon as he was the, on the scout team. Yeah. After he was on the scout team of like, oh, but he's on the scout team now. Should we take it off? Like all that kind of stuff. And we didn't think that it was worthy of taking it out because that was part of the risk, right? Like that was part of the risk of like you, you, we know that he only got in uh, at the very end of the San Jose state game. So that was like inherently what the question was, if he would see time at all. Well, then he ended up not suiting up. 
Um, so it just made it more. It, it made more fair sense, I guess, to the uh, spirit striking. The spirit of the question was how much would USC choose to use him? Yes, not whether or not he would take himself off the board. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with the with yeah yeah. So we both get a win there, um, which leads us to the last one, and everybody gets a win. Everybody playing along. Uh, let's go to the last one. Uh, I said over under one and a half Nevada turnovers. By the way, in the preview episode, for some reason we skipped this. We absolutely skipped this. I don't I know do how we know skipped how this, why. but we did. Yeah. The rationale was that Nevada had only turned it over six times in six road games all of last year, and SC did not force a turnover against San Jose State in week zero, which is why I put it at one and a half. Um, it was one. So you took the under. Uh, I took the, which locks me into the over, uh, and it was under, it was one. SC got a strip sack, which turned into a fumble, scoop and score. Yeah, good play by um, by Elijah. Um, I am... Braylon Shelby? What? By Braylon Shelby, that's, yeah. yes, I'm sorry. There's a lot of Elijahs. Yeah, the, yeah Braylon Shelby. Wrong, fr- wrong freshman. Um, yeah, wrong freshman. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, and it was Stanley, Stanley Tevo picked Stanley it up Tevo, and yeah. walked got, in the end zone. Got the touchdown. So that was good. I, I just, I think this defense is not going to be, um, the turnover luck is, is just going to revert to a sort of more conventional mm-hmm. and uh, one turnover is, is much more standard than two. Yeah. I, I, I would think so. Uh, let's go to the weekly scores. Uh, you and I, you went four and two. This week, I went three and three. And so now it's going to be that thing where you have a one game advantage because of the really, really brown thing, uh, because those were striked from the record. We both get a win Beca- there. because of the really brown thing. Yeah, I had the under on that, sir. Right. You were correct. And yeah, I, but I get the win also. So yes. like we're. Yeah. So instead I, of me being two and four, yeah, and instead of having you us being two, of, two behind, us yeah. having an inverted thing. Gotcha. Yeah, you're right. It does work in my favor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely works in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll hail the the really brown decision for for my solely for my uh, <laughs> over under thing. Yeah. Um. Let's see how the uh, season standings are going. And you have a one game lead now, seven and five for you through two weeks. I am six and six. Both of us bowl eligible. Hmm. Uh, that, of course, the most important thing. Uh, let's go and see how the Rotbots are doing. Was, were there any winners? Drum roll. Yes. There were a bunch of you. Topher Garcia, Dave in Orange County, Yoni, Tyrone Trojan, and Vince in San Diego. All of you, six and oh, a perfect six and oh this week. But Alicia, we have to save our big applause for Vince in San Diego. Because when you look at the season leaders, the he is the only person to go 6-0 and in both week zero and week one. That is impressive. That's impressive. Well done. That is, that is how you do it, Vince. Uh, Vince and SD. Maybe it's San Dimas. Is he in San Dimas? <laughs> it could be in San Does Dimas. Does San Dimas refer to themselves as SD? I'm sure they do. Sure they do. Uh, Vince and San Dimas, uh, twelve and zero, uh, is first place. What I'm seeing here is that you the the strategy should be uh, name in a abri- two letter abbreviation. See if Jordan from Canada mm. was Jordan in CA, 
then uh, maybe he'd, he'd I think, be up there. I think Jordan's in Ontario. So, so uh, Jordan and O.N. Jo- Jordan and O.N. There you go. Yeah. What's your favorite Canadian province when it comes to um, postal codes? <laughs> I do not have one, to be quite honest. I think Quebec is, is up there. The G, the G, uh, the, the, the QC. 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 Yeah. Quality control. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, Yeah. NB for New Brunswick isn't bad either. Uh, but QC, I think, looks cool. Um, yeah, LA Fred in the chat. Vincent San Diego, nicely done. Yeah. Uh, Cigar says, the only thing in San Dimas is Raging Waters. This is <laughs> this is true. Uh, and Vince, apparently, maybe, that is perhaps. Very, that is very much the only reason I know anything about San Dimas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's where we are on, on Over Under. Uh, big shout out to everyone who was able to participate. We appreciate you guys uh, as always. So we'll see what happens later on this week. USC and Stanford locking horns on Saturday. Uh, but let's get to the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's get to the mailbag. If you're joining us live on YouTube, be sure to pop in your questions if you haven't already. If you have, we've been starring them so we can come back to them and talk to them, uh, talk about them here at this point in the episode. Uh, Let's go to a question we got from PDX and a whole bunch of other letters that look like a passcode generated by LastPass. Hmm. Uh, We'll just go with PDX. Uh, How would you make your linebacker depth chart after two games so far? For me, this is super easy, but I wonder how others feel. I would go one, Gentry, two, Davis or Cobb, and three, Lee, and then four, Curtis. I think it's very clear um, that that Rajon Davis should be playing over Tackett Curtis at this point in their careers. Um, I saw enough from Rajon Davis in this game uh, I saw enough from Shane Lee in this game too that, you know, and it's nothing against Tackett Curtis as a, as a talent. He's just a true freshman who is out there still learning the play, still learning the playbook, still learning what to recognize and, and, and how to execute and, and everything that, that needs to happen as you develop. He should not be playing primary reps for USC uh, until he gets a little bit more, um, just a little bit more experience, a little bit more understanding of, of, of what's, what he, what he needs to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think realistically it's Gentry and Cobb not getting to see Cobb in this game was really disappointing because we saw so many other guys after first game mistakes go out and, and correct them very clearly and, and get the job done in, in week two. We didn't get to see that uh, from Cobb. Our last impression was of Cobb was, um, sort of a hit or miss performance in week zero. I still think he's up there with with Gentry. But if we if we have Gentry and Cobb as one and two or as as one A and one B, then I think Davis and Lee are very much two uh, A and two B, and then Curtis is is an option um, down below them. But uh, if Rajon Davis didn't earn playing time based on his performance against Nevada, then then I don't know what more he could possibly do. Then to, they're deciding to, to go f- to to go with a smaller rotation. Then, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I I agree with with uh, with PDX. I think that's the that's the pecking order there. Um, the other thing, yeah, it's it's two positions. There's there's two inside uh, spots there, which gives you a little bit more flexibility. Uh, I thought Lee really, yeah, you can put him third string of those of those spots if you want to rank him that way. But like, I thought Lee absolutely showed you know some merit there, especially mm-hmm. when there had been concerns about him last year, right? We know that he stepped up big in the UCLA game, had a big pick, and had a couple other big moments against UCLA. Um, and, but you wanted to see more from from Jane Lee, the Alabama transfer, and yeah, he looked he looked good in uh, against Nevada. We'll see what happens uh, in week two, game three. God, I can't I can't wait for like two weeks from now when when the buy the, resets everything. Everything will align. It's going to be wonderful, and then yeah. it'll align for the rest of the season. How great is that? Like <laughs> game ten and week ten will be the same number. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, yeah. Uh, it's got a question from Lamont. After my rewatches, I came away more impressed with the D. My only gripe was, uh, what the hell was Anthony Beavers doing on that bomb play? Can you guess what happened there? I, I, we didn't get a good look at it. The replay didn't give us. Um, they never gave us the angle where we could where we could see Beavers the whole time. Yeah. Uh, we basically saw the start of the play where I think you can barely see him in the corner, and then, uh, and then the other replay they showed us by by the time they get over to the receiver it's he's already out of out of frame uh so my guess is he, maybe he maybe he just didn't realize that his responsibility was that receiver um maybe he bit on something else. i i can't remember off the top of my head right now if there was some sort of misdirection or or play action or anything or rpo sort of thing that maybe he bit on and and that put him behind the eight ball in terms of the coverage but uh <laughs> um there's there's a conspiracy going on in the chat right now about bullying me into making pancakes for dinner so yeah i, I only say this because you actively look for reasons to make pancakes i mean i'm not I, I'm, I'm not i'm not being sexist i'm, I'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say this. that i am against the idea of breakfast for dinner um Pancakes, waffles. I could be convinced. I could definitely yeah. be convinced. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a there's a big chat going on about San Dimas, by the way. <laughs> uh, but but to go back to the Anthony Beavers thing, um, here here's a question for you. This is just dumb Michael P. Brain stuff. Where is the delineation for you? If you're gonna if you are going to have a corner get burned on a deep ball, um. And I, I realize that this is a dumb question. And I want to say so. I want to say Beavers was was playing uh, as a safety there. If you, either way, if you're going yeah, he, he burned was, he as, was as any a sort of DB, yeah, on a deep ball, would you rather get burned by three steps because you were on the back foot, the guy's faster, um, he made a move that you couldn't react to, whatever it is, you just like straight up just burned. Or would you rather get burned in the way that Damani Jackson did where you're in position to make the play and you don't make the play? I see merits for both. One of them, <laughs> one of the, the merits uh, of like, you just get burned. Okay, you just you got burned. You just got burned straight, straight out. Like, you I, know, uh, lo, no, you, you don't worry about it. Like uh, amnesia, you get back out there, whatever. The like take take your L, move on, whatever. 
the one where you are in position to make the play and don't make the play, I almost feel like like is more soul crushing. I would much rather get Torin Harris than let a receiver catch a pass uh, with nobody near him. Torin Harris is a verb. That's yeah, that's it. a that's that's a that's a usage we haven't used that in a while. Yeah, it was for, a Torin Harris. For those who are new, it's it's the idea that the DB is in position. He's there to make the play. He just he just doesn't make he doesn't make a play on the ball, and he doesn't. Yeah, the the, the, the receiver makes the catch, even though. The coverage up until the point where you have to break up the pass was fine. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would rather... up until the, the moment that the ball arrives is textbook. And then you get to the point where it's like, ah, but yeah. it, it didn't go through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and part of the reason, you know, you can, you can say it's not textbook because part of that is, you know, whether or not... Damani Jackson turns around quicker enough, uh, or, or, or whatnot. I, I do think there is some sort of, uh, some almost too much focus on whether or not the DB turns around, mm-hmm. um, because. Well, there's another play later on, where uh, he doesn't turn around. He, he gets credit around. for the PBU. Yeah, because he because he reads the 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 receiver the right. reads reads the receiver's hands and gets his hand in there to break up the pass. That's mm-hmm. that's all you got to do. I mean, yes, is it is it better form and give you more opportunity to make a play like make an interception or whatever you get a, you get your head around track the ball all that kind of stuff yes absolutely right but if you're in a position where you're chasing you can still absolutely get the job done make the play if mm-hmm. if you are reading the receiver well enough to to smack the ball out of his hands right and that's where Damani failed in that in that instance and he did it later and you know what it is you right did it a couple times too not turning around is and getting giving up a uh, a big play is the same thing as pimping a non-homer to me. Whereas, like, if you just crush a ball, we're talking like it's it's a uh, hundred and eight miles an hour off the bat, and you think you just crushed that thing and you pimped it, but like, there's a it's at Wrigley and it's April, so there's twenty eight mile an hour wind coming off the lake right in from center and you just hit it into the teeth of the wind and it doesn't go anywhere. Like it's understandable why you pimped it. The optics are bad, but like I get it. And it's the same thing with like the, you don't, you don't turn around like, yeah, the optics look bad, but like if you make the play, nobody says anything. You pimp the Homer that actually is gone, that you crushed. Everyone's loving you for pimping it. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. result bias. Uh, it's a thing. That's very much a thing, especially we're, we're, with DBs. We're all too. we're all guilty of it. DBs yeah. especially, I think, have a tough job because so much of the stuff is result bias. Yeah, which um, is why we get mad at DBs for doing the like cross thing when it was just the receiver <laughs> dropping the ball. <laughs> That's funny though. It is. It, it's legitimately funny. It yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> or doing the Jack Jones as we like to call it. Well, Greg Johnson was was great. Greg for Johnson that too. was really big yeah. on that one too. <laughs> yeah. The, the long drop on, on uh, third down and or, or there's the big tackle uh, when you give up a third and 18, but you, you make a nice tackle and celebrate the tackle. Yeah. yeah. Either way. Um, Tim and LA popped in the YouTube chat and then had to pop out. He couldn't stay. But uh, he says, do you think some of last year's turnover luck hid some of the defensive deficiencies? I know this is overly simplified, but last year's defense was basically turnover or bust. Yes thousand percent yes 
Yes. Uh, but I would also argue that that's what the defense is trying to do at yes. the same time. The defense is designed to sort of game the whole turnover luck thing because the idea is to put so much pressure on the offense that you force them into turnovers. So it makes it about like creating your own luck kind of situation. The problem is that, yeah, the, the, the defense, when the turnovers were happening, it all, again, it's result, it's all results bias. It's when you get the turnover, everything feels fine. And when you don't, everything feels like the world is falling down. Um, I think the bigger issue that I had is that in the first half of the season, while it was certainly an element of uh, the turnover or bust, the busts were not as busty. Like they were not as clearly Volu- not as voluptuous. Not as voluptuous. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it was. It, they were more forgivable. I think they were more just like oh, that you know, you you in a one on one situation, you you gave up the play because it, it just didn't work. Right. Where by the end of the season, it was it was collectively incapable of making tackles, taking right. miserably bad angles, being in the wrong spot. Like, not just bus, but, like, actual detrimental play mm-hmm. on defense. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, the, the, the turnovers cover up some of that stuff, and you obviously you want both, right? You, you want to be able to create a million turnovers, and you also not want to have the bus. And if you do both of those things, you're called a Pete Carroll defense. You're called a... Heck, if you do it on special teams too, you're called like a it's it's Beaver Ball, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, that's what you want to do. Um, you got to be able to shore up the the bust a little bit, and if you sacrifice some of the turnovers, that's okay in my and, mind. And you have to be able to to get a stop if you're not getting a turnover, because that was that was the bigger issue in the second half of the season. It was it was either you get the turnover or they score a touchdown, and yeah. In the first half of the season, it was more of either you get the turnover or there's a 50-50 chance that they score a touchdown. And, like, the difference between those two things is quite drastic. Um, and it, it, you have to be able to prove that if the turnover doesn't come, you can still get off the field mm-hmm. by other means. And USC wasn't able to do that at the end of the year. Certainly not against Tulane. Yeah. Going back to the DB thing, Jimmy in the chat says there's a technique to being – a DB that's not being taught. They need to put their closest hand to the receiver's shoulder, then turn and look for the ball. I think the defense should keep everything in front and play less man and rally to the ball. Um, yeah, I I don't disagree. I, I think that uh, there there should be more of an element of, of zone, especially on third and long. Um, you know, mix in things. Uh, yeah. One of the things I thought was, was really good, talking about zone coverage in this game, was just Kalen Bullock being a hawk and going to where he needed to be mm-hmm. um, yeah. really playing center game. field the way that you want to see him play center field. Mm-hmm. Um, I do but think that what, there's sometimes we're a little over aggressive with the safeties. Yes. Well, that, um, that's what there, I was going to say. There was one of those plays that he makes a great play, Kalen Bullock. Mm-hmm. It's because Max Williams like has this delayed blitz on third and long that there was it was so delayed that he was never going to get to the backfield. Yeah, and I wonder if it was like planned that like it well, was it so delayed that his intention was like like the the purpose was to take away the quarterback draw or something, maybe. But even on the Damani Jackson on the big play he gives up, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, just from my memory, 
on that play, I think a safety is sent on a blitz or a, a safety is sent vacates that area and leaves Demonte Jackson in that one-on-one situation where the quarterback recognizes like I have that one-on-one I'm just going to toss it up for him right and part of that is again the aggressiveness of the of the safeties that you you're playing fast and loose with your safeties like you are putting your cornerbacks in positions where they can right. get burned whereas mm-hmm. if you played if you kept things more conventional and simple you might have had safety help over the top and maybe either A, Damani gives up that catch, but the tackle is made immediately, or B, the safety is able to help out and prevent the catch from even happening. Yeah, yeah, it's all something to think about. Uh, Cigar in the chat says, is Sark going to pull off the upset at Bama this week? To which Alien 55 says, I doubt it. Saber won't lose to a guy with a cutie, cutie pie doll hairdo. <laughs> um, that's a phrase I never thought I'd say. Yeah, Sark is a, Sark is a, is a, is a, is a kept man at this point. His his uh his his wife makes sure that he has a, a, a haircut and style options. Haircuts are haircuts are fun. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh to answer the question though, absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> Last do year not was, bet, was their chance to beat them. Do right? not bet on anybody against Saban in Tuscaloosa. Um no, absolutely not. Uh, I wouldn't either unless it's uh, ULM mm. and it's 2007, maybe. Um, Randy says, did we learn anything from the Oregon State-San Jose State game? Uh, the Beavers, big winners in that game. I, uh, I, I think it was 42-17. Uh, San Jose State literally scored on like the last play of the game. Yeah. Uh, so realistically, 42-10-ish. Uh, 42-17 was obviously how it finished, but... San Jose State scored three points in the first three quarters of that game. Yeah. Um, what we learned is uh, that, number one, it is very dangerous to compare one game to another in terms of like mm-hmm. how you beat a, 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 play, a, a team. Uh, USC and Oregon State are drastically different teams. Oregon State was the best defense in the Pac-12 last year. Right. Uh, and uh, USC was the best offense in the Pac-12 last year. And uh, the, the the way that USC and Oregon State set out to beat teams is very, very different. So don't go mm-hmm. overboard in a comparison of that game. But, but I do think we can glean something from that game, which is I came out of... It's always difficult in the first few weeks of the season. You do not know how good an opposing team is going to be because everything... Half of what we're basing things on are projections and last year's results right so like we lean heavily on sp plus sp plus is a flawed system in week zero and week one and week two and week basically everything through six which is when i think he uh no longer is 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 factoring in last year's results um it's flawed because so much of it is based on what you did last year but you are a different team this year you have different personnel you have different you know um mixes of players and chemistry and, and play calling and all of these things, right? So I came out of week zero wondering, okay, maybe there's a chance that San Jose State is a better offense than we were giving them credit for when we were doing our previews. Maybe San Jose State has something going for them. Maybe Chevin Cordero is really going to elevate them to a to a to a different level. 
of an offense. And I think what we learned in that game is um, San Jose State may still have a perfectly acceptable Mountain West offense, but it certainly does not have an offense that is capable of um, of putting up points on a good defense. And Oregon State has a good defense, and USC aspires to a good defense and has a long way to go before they prove that they do have a good defense based on the results. Yeah, I think it's easy to look at it and say that, you know, comparatively, like in the comparative scores game, SC beating San Jose State 56-28 at home and Oregon State going on the road to get a 42-17 win in San Jose. Um, (laughs) West Texas Mike in the chat says, no, 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 17, that last TD counts. So, okay, 42-17. That, you know... The comparative scores don't look favorably to for SC. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, uh, it's game one versus game two, um, which probably, again, more favorable to Oregon State for doing that in game one for Oregon them. Oregon State had tape of San Jose State to prepare for, too. Like They, they did. Oregon State um, knew that Shevin Cordero was going to take advantage of their running lanes if he gave them. Right. You know, there, there's all, they, again, it's, it's hard to compare any of these things. Yeah, it, it's hard to compare. Definitely looks good for Oregon State. And if it wasn't for, like, like you know, I think it's SC can feel thankful that they don't have to face Oregon State. Oregon State this year, we know that SC struggled against them last year, needed a miracle play by um, by Brett Nealon to push Caleb Williams over the, over the line for a uh, fourth down conversion on the last drive of the game uh, leading to the, the miraculous touchdown drive there to, to win the game. We know SC needed that. They needed to completely pull that win out of their ass. At the same time, if you played Oregon State, you would also play Washington State and you would take the Oregon State and Washington State flop for Washington, Oregon. You would take that in a heartbeat. Um, so that's you know, worth considering there, but Oregon state looks like a, like they're going to be a really tough team. Every team in the PAC 12 does. This was such a great week for the conference. Mm-hmm. 13 and zero. it's the conference. Everybody's one and zero, with the exception of SC is two and zero. And like I said, in the carcass, I legitimately think through one game, you can, you can look at it and say that every team looks as good or better than you expected them to look. Mm-hmm. Um, it's early. It's only one game. One game doesn't mean a lot. Uh, teams have had good week ones and then do nothing. So take that for what it's worth. But um, every team started on the right foot, which I think is very good for the conference. Which is not the norm for the Pac-12 either. Right. You're supposed Utah, to... S- Utah and Stanford notoriously have been teams that even when they were at their peak dominating the conference have seen, not started well in week one. And we've seen Washington State, we've seen ASU, we've seen Arizona, we've seen yeah. all these teams have hiccups early in the season against teams they have no business having a mm-hmm. hiccup, hiccup against. And around the country this week, we saw teams like Texas Tech lose to Wyoming and we right. saw... Um, you know, teams get weird humbled. road game though. We're very weird road road game, but uh, having driven through Laramie, like it's literally the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I will uh, say the drive to Laramie, unbelievable. I, I recommend it to everybody. You go up this mountain where you're like at ten thousand feet on an interstate, and you're like, how is this possible? And there's like this 
this uh, statue to, to for uh, the, like this Abraham Lincoln monument, at, and there's a sign. You're like at ten, eleven thousand feet, whatever it is. You're like, how am I this high on an interstate? What <laughs> I'm like tired, higher than. Then, they're um, higher than I than, than, than San Jacinto, I, like yeah, higher than I hike at the highest peaks in uh, in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, like it's wild. Then all of insane. a sudden, you twenty minutes later, after going downhill for like three thousand miles over the next like fifteen miles or whatever, you're in Laramie at a lowly seven thousand feet, <laughs> and Laramie just looks like it's on the prairie all of a sudden, but it's yeah. still seven thousand feet. Yeah, it's 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 wild recommend wyoming is is cool it's yeah. a it's a cool place um and you get to go to taco john's if you go to cheyenne there's there's taco john's at the home of taco john's which i liked unlike the doughboys i you know <laughs> i get it the doughboys didn't like it but i do okay the the taco olays i mean the the potato olays are good okay i didn't get to try these things so i have no opinion no they're they're good um all right um uh, Lamont says, "Question with the new playoff format coming that will force teams to will that force teams to schedule actual competitive games, especially the SEC teams known for cooking their books." Absolutely not. It'll do. The I reverse. think that's the theory, but I no. I uh-huh. do see the inverse happening no, too. Absolutely not. No, not when you as an SEC team now have Texas and Oklahoma in your in your conference. Yeah. Not as a Big Ten team when you have USC th- and Washington in your conference. No, your conference schedule has gotten more difficult because yes. of conference expansion. Uh, your incentive to schedule difficult out of conference games has never been lower. Uh, especially for the for the teams like uh, like USC um, and Oregon and Washington and all those who have who have a lot of travel. Now your only impetus is to have as many local home games as you possibly can. You need to maximize your local home games. Uh, so no, I, I think we will see less competitive out of conference scheduling. Um, but that doesn't mean that that has to be a bad thing necessarily. We will get really great matchups in uh, in the playoff in in the twelve team playoff and we'll we will continue to see random upsets like Wyoming over Texas Tech and and all of those kinds of things um even with you know stay used to USC playing Nevada and San Jose State <laughs> yeah uh yeah 100 um if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for the uptick in conference schedule difficulty I could see it but you look at SC schedule, you're going to be going on the road potentially to play Ohio State, and maybe you got a schedule where the, it's not inconceivable that you have to play on the road in the same season. Mm-hmm. Oregon, Ohio State, and Penn State all in the same season. Yeah. And then you go to and, the Big Ten title. And Notre Dame. And Notre Dame still Dame. exists. Yeah. And then you're going to say that SC in that same season is going to be willing to to – you know, have a, a a non-con game against Arkansas? Like, I, well, I, I don't see it. Next year, USC plays, as Kenny in the chat pointed out, USC plays LSU next year. Right. That matchup doesn't benefit either of those teams it, in, in, it, the, in the long run. It does not. And I know that it's been long enough they could have probably gotten out of it after the Big Ten stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and they would have gotten into it with the um, – uh, they they would have gotten into it with the um 
knowing all everything with how the Big Ten situation came to be and the LSU game, I, I get that. But I don't think that's going to be a norm thing going forward. Well, and as West Texas Mike points out in the chat, Alabama's future schedules have Wisconsin, West Virginia, Notre Dame, and Ohio State on them. Yeah, and I would not be surprised if they tried to get out of half of those. Right. Um, for, by by one way or another. I, I, I think a lot of this, the, the scheduling... The scheduling philosophy changed, but remember the scheduling philosophy is like at least five years behind the times uh, because you're scheduling them out that that far ahead. So um, unless it's a push for like money incentives in terms of playing, playing, you know, the camping world kickoff kind of game because they're going to, you know, pay you a ton of money to play on Sunday night on in week one. I, I I just think that schools will figure out that their conference ske- schedules are hard enough. And uh, with a 12-team playoff, you're going to get in either way. You, you don't need to add an extra loss to your schedule potentially uh, if you don't have to. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's go to a question we got from Stephen. Question, bacon or sausage? The answer is neither, of course. Uh, no, the answer is both, but sausage is my preference. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. We, we had a bacon taste test for me last Thanksgiving. And I will am willing to admit good bacon, meaning quality, high quality bacon. I'm not overly opposed to in the point where I would say like, this is horrendous and I don't like this. It's also nothing I will ever seek out. I don't like the smoky taste, which is the irony. The irony. You just got to find non the non smokier. No, that's that's valid, and that's why like I like like the applewood one or whatever. But like the the irony is that like I love Texas barbecue, um, and I love smoked brisket. But smoked brisket to me doesn't taste like like smokiness. And I think the 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 answer to that is like two things. I don't like ham. Because I don't like the aftertaste of ham and it has a little hammy, smoky t- aftertaste. I never have liked that ever. Um, and bacon has that same aftertaste. And I also do not like like smoked turkey lunch meat. And I think that that's fake liquid smoke taste. Yeah, liquid smoke is is not good. Um, yeah, I I am a very anti liquid smoke, and I am somewhat sensitive to smoky things, but. I like a, I, I don't mind a, like an applewood smoked bacon or a smoked uh, hickory smoked um, like a turkey uh, sliced turkey or, or whatever. It's it's fine. It's not my favorite flavor, but it's fine. Yeah. Nick in the chat, by the way, says that Taco John's has absolutely nothing on Del Taco. That's valid. Yeah. Del, Del Taco better than Taco John's. Um, Taco John's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, which is, I think, why I liked it. I think I, I think my expectations <laughs> are so low. Uh, Jimmy says, thoughts on the linebackers pass rushing in non-blitzing situations seems to happen on every obvious pass play. Jimmy, it is, it, I noticed that as well, and I think that um, I would like to see Alex Grinch cool his jets a little bit and not feel like he has to 
send a blitz on every, every time he thinks there's going to be pass. Like it's especially when Bear Alexander and that line are getting the penetration that they're getting naturally. Like let the dudes cook. It it you know give it a, give it a try. Yeah, give it give them a chance and then adjust as the game goes. If it's clear that your front if your 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 front is not winning their battles to give you enough pressure, then start sending those blitzes. Don't just preemptively assume like, well, we're not going to win the battle. <laughs> so we just got to send our send a linebacker on a delayed blitz every single time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's something you you want to see an improvement on when SC is play playing a team uh, that will absolutely cook you for those for those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, like Michael Penix will be uh, willing to do. So, uh, luckily, SC's got many weeks until that happens. Uh, Stanford will be uh, an interesting test this week, but not the test as in the big ones. Uh, all right, let's go to the last question here before we wrap this thing up. Uh, Eric says, it may have already been discussed, but if not, can you recap a player or two that brought you joy from watching SC play on Saturday? I'll go first. Marshawn Lloyd's downfield blocking. That absolutely is one that we talked about earlier. I think that that was both of one of our favorite plays. Lisa, you got a favorite play besides that one? Uh, it was the it was the Marshawn Lloyd up the middle. Uh, that was okay. The that is the answer though. That that Taj we talked extensively about that Taj Washington touchdown. Mm-hmm. But I am just going to go with the the Marshawn Lloyd over the middle. The, the um, up just the, over up over the, the top of the defense up the seam. Yeah, just, just yeah. We talk about the car cast. It's a play you seen Madden that like yeah. Oh, this could work, and it never does. Speaking of Madden, Ilium in the chat says Grinch needs to use the ask, ask Madden function for his play calling <laughs> instead of just running Storm Blitz. Yeah, yes, that's a mistake that I make while playing Madden, and I have hey. not paid a million dollars to coach. Yeah, but a defense when when it when the Blitz gets home, baby, it works. <laughs> it works. It works, and you look good. You look good. Uh, the 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 other play that I will say that we t- talked about earlier again is. The RPO touchdown to, to uh, Michael Jackson the third. Um, it's really simple. That read is look to see where the linebackers are and to see if there will be coverage on the slants over the middle. Yeah. If there is, hand off the football. If there isn't, throw the football. There wasn't. He threw the football. We'll wide open Michael Jackson the third. L.A. Fred in the chat says uh, the Caleb scramble touchdown pass to Rice. Absolutely. Absolutely. The manipulation of that pocket, which that, that, that wasn't a scramble around because because the pocket broke down. That was the that was like this is the kind of play where a coverage sack happens because you can only hold a pocket for so long. The manipulation yeah. of that pocket by Caleb Williams to stand in there and then move and then move again to create another opportunity to then go and oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Ram Murdy says. Uh, they like the deuce, deuce uh, touchdown pass. Um, yeah, he caught the ball and just kept running. It was it was like uh, it was like um, uh, what's that movie? Um, Angels in the outfield just ran all the way home. Just ran all the way home. Yep. Uh, Nick says the the run to the the pass the running back always works in Madden versus man coverage if a running back is ninety speed or butter. Yes, there is there's conditionals there. <laughs> um, and yeah, you you if you're playing against another user though difficult there uh because they're gonna use or a linebacker or somebody something but yeah um and then you hit it and then you think that you're gonna be invincible and hit it again and then it doesn't work the second time and then ah mm-hmm. then you're like me and 
fourth in it, and the next thing you know, you've thrown eight picks, and your uh, yeah, your record is not great. So, all right, uh, no no self deprecating video game talk out of me, huh? Uh, all right, we're going to wrap things up there. As always, you can send us emails, randomtryoutfanside.com. Be sure to give us your calls, 818-643-7227. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday night to preview USC and Stanford, the Trojans and the Cardinal playing for the final time. That I, My In brain conference. cannot wrap my head around that. In conference. Uh, yeah, but when are they going to play out of conference? I think that would be a game I would be looking to schedule. Realistically, like... Semi-soon. I know that SC and Notre Dame and SC and UCLA are the bigger rivals, right? Obviously. But I think not playing Stanford is as foreign of a concept as those two. Like, easily. As much if, like, not on the same level. Like, it's all on the same level to be. Like... There's a reason that Pat Hayden put his foot down and said, no, SC is going to get special treatment in 2011 to make sure that SC plays Stanford and Cal every single year. So, there we go. Yeah, Kenny Martin says uh, the longest rivalry ever. Yeah. So, all right. Time to take the uh, the DOJ, DOG, not the DOJ. That's a, <laughs> so I don't think we can take the DOJ for a walk. No. <laughs> Uh, the DOG on a WALK. So, time to check out. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, we will see ya. See ya. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.